Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Tuesday, March 3rd, as we recovered from the scouting combine and on to the start of basically free agency, which is March 15th, a little more than a week away, and some news is making their, raise, their, their way around the league as teams are getting back from the combine, visiting with agents and other teams, a lot of different conversations taking place. So just news and notes of the day. Uh, a couple of things uh, that have come out. The Browns running back Kareem Hunt, um, we've now learned, won't be charged with marijuana possession stemming from that January incident. He was let go with a speeding ticket after being pulled over in January and admitted he would fail a drug test if one were administered at the time. He won't face further punishment for the arrest legally, although – it's a guessing game on how the commissioner uh, will respond to that. He uh, He's expected tentatively to be with the Browns in 2020, likely working uh, as a heavily involved backup to stud Nick Chubb. The Falcons released offensive tackle John Wetzel. Not a surprise. He played in two games for the Falcons in 19, previously started 24 with the Cardinals in 16 to 18. 29 years old, got experience at guard and tackle, um, can be a reserve guy uh, for somebody. Uh, there is some interest for corner Chris Harris. Then the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Texans, the Jets, the Lions, among those that are interested for the Bronco corner. Um, he was the best slot corner in the league in terms of snaps per reception last year, um, really from 15 to 18. Um, and then – as an outside corner the past couple of years, wasn't nearly as effective. Um, but he's a really good slot corner, been misused a little bit uh, recently, so he still has really good value. It looks like the um, the Raiders, Will Compton, is going to hit the open market. The linebackers become a free agent. Um, we'll see how this plays out. Played 78 games for the Redskins, Titans, and now the Raiders uh, since entering the league in 2000. 13. The Cowboys are going to use a second-round tender on restricted free agent tight end Blake Jarwin. It'll cost him about $3.3 million. He averages about uh, 8.8 yards a catch over the past two years. Um, Jason Witten probably won't be back, but nothing's definite there. We'll see, certainly in a reduced role. Uh, I'm hearing that the Panthers are willing to move Trey Turner. Uh, the fine guard has started 80 games for the Panthers. Uh, since being selected in the third round of the 14 draft. Um, been one of their better offensive linemen. He graded out not as well this past year. So I think they're looking at, um, you know, seeing that. Um, I don't know how much of a market there is for him. So I think it's a case of the Panthers trying to get a little something for him before they release him. And that's basically the same thing that's going on in Cincinnati with Cordy Glenn. Um uh, they're trying to get something for him. He started 19 games with the Bengals over the last two years. Battle concussions, not great at all that well. Uh, meanwhile, in San Francisco, the Niners are working on getting a deal done with Eric Armstead. Uh, the former 17th overall pick in 19 graded out very well this past year. One of the top five edge defenders. Uh, and, you know, the, the Niners – blitz at the lowest rate of anybody in the league. So it was base four-man pressure that really got the job for, done for them, and he was a big part of it. Um, 
Hunter Henry is going to be tagged by the Chargers. Um, it's been outstanding. Well, when he's been healthy, he's just been outstanding. And certainly having Keenan and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Henry healthy really makes the receiving weapons really intriguing. Um, also expect the Cowboys to put the franchise tag on Dak Prescott. Uh, we'll see. Um, they, I think, feel like it's going to be easier to get a long-term deal done with Amari Cooper. Um, and Byron Jones is probably going to move on. We mentioned on yesterday's show that the Raiders are very interested in Byron Jones, among others. <clears throat> the Redskins are likely going to put the franchise tag on Brandon Sheriff. Um, obviously, really good player, one of the best guards in the league, one of the top ten, it's graded out. Red, high red uh, areas uh, in some blue during his time in the league. Um, and we'll see what they can do with Trent Williams. But that's a start. Sheriff's a really good player that they don't want to let get out the door. The same thing with Pittsburgh. They're expected to put the franchise tag, they tell me, with Bud Dupree. Um, they have mentioned it's a priority. He's 27 years old. It's a good edge defender. Career high marks and sacks, 11 and a half, and um, 68 tackles for losses. 16 tackles for losses, 68 tackles, 17 quarterback hits. Um, you got T.J. Watt, Dupree. It's a pretty good difference. Mika Fitzpatrick, what is going to end up being a good first-round pick for him this year, already on the team. So, uh they want to absolutely keep him and look like they're not going to be able to get a long-term deal done. So if they can't, they'll put their franchise tag on them. The Broncos are expected to give Elijah Wilkinson a second-round tender. Made 12 starts for Denver last year, all at right tackle. Can play inside. He's got versatility. He's a good swing player. Make uh, $3.2 million at the second-round tender level. Not quite sure what the Broncos are going to do with Phillip Lindsay. Uh, when undrafted in 2018, he's eligible for an extension this offseason. So he's still under the team's control for the next two years, but we'll see whether they can get something long and the right price long-term. It'll be uh, interesting to see. Um, it looks like <clears throat> the Buccaneers um, more and more like Jameis Winston is not likely going to be a part of it. You know, it, it it just doesn't appear all the signs point to Bruce Arians not believing in Jameis Winston. They do not feel he's worth putting a tag on. They don't feel there's a great future. And I don't know that they can be overly excited about, let's say, a Teddy Bridgewater, but apparently... That's the decision that they have to make. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, the Cowboys are also interested in re-signing Jeff Heath in, uh, uh, in, a, in addition to Amari Cooper and obviously getting a deal done with Dak. The Rams, word there, is they're going to ask Brandon Cooks to restructure his deal. He's owed $16.8 million after a down year last year. So, you know, restructure is different than restructuring down. I think this is a restructure down. His dead money hit 
which is almost $30 million, makes him impossible to release. So we'll see if they can lower his number with a pay cut or a restructure. Uh, this could be the final year for Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has not been the type of player that I thought he would be when he came out of Oregon State. Thought he'd be a big hit with the Saints. He was not a big hit with the Saints and Drew Brees. He was not the, the Patriots traded for him was not able to do much there. If you're not able to do a whole lot with Drew Brees or Tom Brady, ought to be a strong sign. Now, he did have a really good year with the Rams, but they are, it's another one of the contracts that they are getting hooked with right now. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman is another potential cap casualty for the Rams. Could save $4 million by releasing him. I thought he graded out pretty well. In coverage last year, but you know he's not a, a top-shelf slot corner. They can move forward with Darius Williams, maybe the third-rounder David Long behind Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill. Um, the Panthers getting back to him. Um, they don't plan on using the franchise tag on James Bradbury. They don't plan to meet Bradbury's $15 million per year asking price, making him a lock to hit the open market. He's got um, – you know, there's got a lot of interest. Uh, I think that there's, um, you know, going to be enough interest in making him a market, and certainly Washington will be interested, the Jets will be interested – but they're not interested in making that uh, type of commitment in Carolina for him. Jamal Adams, uh, that is, from what I am hearing with from Joe Douglas, is that they feel pretty good about getting a long-term deal done with Jamal Adams. All the talk about trading him, they feel like he's a leader. They feel like he can be um, – a, a guy to build around, and certainly they've got to improve uh, overall on that team on the offensive line. They've got a lot of work to do, so they've got to be careful, but this is a guy they feel they need to spend money. They really are aware that it's going to cost probably north of Eddie Jackson-type money, which is north of $14.6 million, uh, a year, but uh, he's really, really good. Um, the Panthers – and part of their moves to kind of go younger probably are not going to pick up the option on Don Terry Poe. He's on he's owed nine point eight million coming off that injury short in two thousand nineteen. He's graded out as one of the top defensive tackles before going down in week twelve. But um, they are there should be a market for him. He doesn't turn thirty until August, but they're they're definitely going younger in Carolina, and it doesn't look like they're going to pick up his uh, option. The Jags are going to put the tag on uh, Yannick Ndokwe. Um, you know, they, they, they're not letting him out the building. Um, he says he's not interested in signing a long-term deal with Jacksonville, but they have until July 15th to get something done. So put the tag on him. Try to change his mind. If he can't change his mind, then you deal with the trade there. But You've got to obviously keep them. Uh, so tag and trade is definitely a possibility, a probability at this point. Um, he would make $19.3 million if he plays under the tag. The Broncos tell me they are definitely interested in free agent defensive tackle D.J. Reader. 
Um, uh, you know, there's a number of folks um, that are interested in him, but, you know, Reader's really good player, uh, workmanlike player. He's in line for about 10 to $12 million annually there. So we'll see how uh, that plays out this uh, in the next two or three weeks. We're going to keep everybody up to date on all the latest um, – franchise and transition notes there's going to be more information as we get a little bit closer news notes rumors about what's going on uh with the teams as they start to make their moves in position right now people are in the window to put tags on players so they're trying to a get deals worked out seeing where they are in the negotiating front there and if they can't make the progress if they want to put a tag on a player with the idea of controlling him and being able to make a trade like the Jags with an Ndokwe, um, you're going to see that step being made. Uh, for others, it, it may be a decision to move on from the player, uh, maybe like Tampa with Jameis Winston, who knows. So there are a lot of decisions there. Th- this is the prelim towards March 15th when we start free agency, and just before that, when people start to position, uh, and that's when we're going to have a better idea of who's going to hit free agency or not. I mean, we have an idea, but we're going to have an even better idea, and we're going to know for certain as we get closer to that March 15th deadline. So we've got going to have all that covered for you over at LandryFootball.com. We're also waiting word on the ratification of the new CBA deal. Are there any more holdups? Can they get it done before the March 15th, March 18th? type deadline, uh, it looks like that will be the case, but do we don't know for certain, so we shall wait and see. So we've got a lot of things going on that are leading into free agency. A reminder that we are working on LandryFootball.com with the position-by-position grades of how players graded out this past year, as well as free agent scouting reports. That is your go-to for players that are – released on the trade market, um, you know, decisions to keep or not keep. All of that is important to understand because you can reference and go back to how players graded this past year. So it's an important tool to use. And then along with that, certainly you're working towards putting together some of the final touches and examine and studying more of the film from the combine and marrying that up with some more tape before we – unveil our draft board in our draft scouting reports. We've got complete uh, combine results day by day as well as the overall how what players ran and measured. We've got all that for you. So check that out at LandryFootball.com. Folks, it's uh, never a bad time, but probably the best time of year to join us and give us a shot at LandryFootball.com is we break down the pro and college game unlike any other, from recruiting to the college game to the draft process to evaluating NFL players and, and teams and uh, free agency. We got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com. So check us out and um, you know try it for a month, three months if you want to. The best deal that we have is the 50% discount. 
it's less than $5 a month if you commit to the year. It's $49.99 for a calendar year. It'll get you through the entire free agency, the entire draft process, uh, all the spring practice in college football, all through the football season, all the way through next year at this time. Uh, you can't beat that. For less than $5 a month, it's like having your own scouting department. You being the owner and we're your scouting department, the 33rd NFL scouting department right here for you. So check it out today. you absolutely love it, won't regret it. And uh, spread the word about what we're doing here with our pro football show. We're going to try to make it crisp and clear each and every day. Uh, you've got a question, go ahead and send it to me over uh, at um, contact Chris over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, we're going to get to a couple of them today. Um, Richard asked, what was the hand size and medical history of Steve McNair, whom you drafted? His hand size was 10 and a half. Um, his medical history was pretty good. He really just didn't get banged up to more got into um, the NFL. Richard asks, can you please explain the three-cone drill and what's its purpose and it's determined for players' elusiveness, quickness, and agility. The three-cone drill is the most important drill that we have, that and the short shuttle. But this one, um, it is, a, some call it an L shape, but it's three cones, it's three, shown, three cones shaped like an L, and you go um, down and up the L, and you are going around the cones, so you've got to show balance body control, uh, and the purpose is to really get a good gauge of a guy's balance and body control, and it really exposes stiffness in a player, and you want guys that have agility, that can drop their weight, change direction. That's the best drill for that. That is why that drill is so very, very important. Uh, Richard also asked, what was your scouting evaluation of Jason Witten? out of Tennessee. Love Jason. Thought Jason was a really good two-way tight end, really good hands, tough, high-character guy, um, was a, even a better player at the pro level. I didn't know that I could tell you that I saw him as a Hall of Fame tight end, and that's exactly what he was. Thought he'd be very good, but didn't know he'd be that good. Uh, Nande Asamoa out of Cal was a big physical corner. He was a press corner that wasn't really good playing off and in deep coverage, but he was really good. He asked about, uh, Richard asked about Sean Taylor out of Miami. Listen, I don't know that I've seen a better safety. Um, think a bigger Ed Reed with more pop. Ed Reed had more instincts. Ed Reed had more coverability, play on the ball. Sean Taylor was a paralyzing defender. He was an old-school, big-time enforcer that could cover, could play uh, the run like a linebacker at enough speed to play like a, a safety. Just just an outstanding player. And you asked about Teddy Bruschi out of Arizona. Um, well, it's one of the great stories because Teddy was an undersized nose guard in Arizona and loved him, just absolutely loved him. Couldn't get anybody really interested in him because most people didn't have any use for a 250-pound nose guard. Uh, but he was smart. He was instinctive. When I worked him out, you could see that, and and I worked him out as a linebacker and had him do some drops. You could see his ability to pick things up quickly. 
you know, it's one of the things that I always say about Bill Belichick and my background with him. It what makes him unique is he could recognize what a player can do, whereas most people tend to look and see what a guy can't do. Bill can see and have a vision for what a guy can do. There's a lot of things that Teddy Bruschi couldn't do, but there's some things that he could do. And embracing that, you got a great player. So <clears throat> that's uh, that's kind of how I saw him. Had a really good grade, but it was always, well, where are you going to play him? Where are you going to play him? Guy's a football player, and you got to find a place for a guy like that. Jacob, I think I've addressed this, but I'm going to address it again to make sure that Jacob hears it. Uh, you mentioned in the podcast how the, one of the main functions of the combine is health and the medicals. And Jake, Jacob, as I mentioned before, the main responsibility and the reason why we started the combine was medicals. Um, so, and, and that's the biggest the biggest factor. And we just started doing the other stuff, but. If you imagine the expense of every player going to every team versus bringing all the players going to one location, the amount of money saved and the investment that you put into the players is so important. Uh, you mentioned, can you give examples of players who thought too much of an injury risk? And as I said when I answered it uh, last week, there's just too many to go through. But there's just a whole lot of guys that have had issues that, you know, get rejected. But, you know, sometimes you make mistakes. 27 out of 28 teams rejected um, Anthony Munoz on his physical. And the one team that didn't was the Bengals because they didn't have all the medical information, and they, and they got him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's you do the best that you can to get a medical competitive advantage, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um Jacob said, it seems like the Saints are going to have to bring in a veteran backup since they're losing Bridgewater if they want to keep using Hill as a weapon. What do you think? Who do you think? I don't know that they're going to do that. Uh, Sean Payton likes Hill, and I don't know that they're going to use him uh, as much in the same role. I, I, I don't know that they're going to find a guy that they feel is a better number two than Hill. So they're going to have some tough decisions to make, and I don't really have that answer for you as who's better and who would be the better fit because I think it's it's very debatable. I mean, I, I really do. There's not a lot of guys that would be fit to the quarterback position that would upgrade, you know, necessarily. Um, you know, if you look at guys that, you know, could maybe help and could could maybe be – in a situation that's just not, you know, a Josh McCown, uh, bring a Chase Daniel back. Those are going to cost some money. A Case Keenum type guy, a Colt McCoy, guys like that I think are um, are intriguing, but not a lot of them that are that intriguing. But I do think that there'll be some veteran guys in the mix. Uh, but I think they have to decide where they kind of envision and see Taysom Hill in terms of getting number two reps. Is he a quarterback of the future or not? I think they've got to make that decision. So, to me, that's where the decision that Sean's got to make is, where does he Taysom Hill? He can talk about how he one day could be the next Steve Young and all that. Well, if he's making that type of progress, then you know what? He needs to get number two reps, and he needs to work a lot in preseason, and he needs to take some of the reps away from Drew Brees as a quarterback, if that's what he believes. If not, 
and there's a little bit of smoke there and a little bit of, well, down the road, well, then they need to look at, you know, again, bringing in a guy that can be the number two, that can fill Bridgewater's role so that Taysom Hill can be the jack-of-all-trades. Now, I'm on the side that I think Taysom Hill is best as a do-it-all Swiss Army Knife type player. Um, but I do think you're limited in how much of that you can do, certainly in a reduced role, but not nearly as much if he's your number two guy. Um, all right, let's see. Kevin asks, okay, boy, there's a lot here. Kevin, Kevin talks about, uh, let's see, um, he's got a whole lot of questions. He's talking about the competition committee, and he's talking about well-defined reference criteria for holding, pass interference, and lesser-degree blocks in the back. Um, well, Kevin, as I'm reading this, there is a clearly defined for all of that. Um, you know, and he gives some examples. There's a myriad of ways that pass interference can be called while the ball is in the air. Defender or receiver extends his arm into the body of the opposing player. The defender doesn't play the ball. Well, all of that's in there. I'm not quite sure if you're aware of that. Uh, you can use an arm bar, but if you wrap your arms around an offensive player, which you suggest, well, that's already in there. Uh, the face guarding, the defender or receiver is grabbing that. All of that, is, so you're saying when the official decides to call a pass interference, they should cite one of these. Well, they already do that. They already do that, and and they, they already determine it based upon I mean, its interference, and they do say, hey, face guarding, he wrapped his arm, he grabbed him. So that's all being done. I'm not quite sure what you're asking here. What you're asking is already being done. Now, you can argue whether they missed it or not. You can certainly argue whether it's being reviewed properly, and it wasn't this past year. Um, you ask about holding the same way. Make a definitive list uh, of what constitutes holding. Well, there is a definitive list. You, it lists three things, but there's about 10 or 12 that are listed. Uh, I've been in those official meetings. So, uh, you know, you're you're asking for something that's been in play for years and years. You may not recognize it or may not see it as that, but they are, or may not agree with the call. But there's clearly defined holding. There's clearly de- what is holding, what's, what constitutes it, interference, all of that is clearly defined. What is the problem, in my view, is can you see it quick enough? Are they missing it? Those are fair arguments, fair discussions. And I do think it's fair to allow replay to correct some of that. We had a year in which they decided, okay, we'll let let them review it. Then they decided, you know, okay, we'll review it, but we're just going to make sure that we don't overturn anything. Well, that's cop-out. And that was a bunch of BS. And that's why the the coaches are said, you know, if we're not going to do it right, we're not going to have it at all. Let's, you know, so we're going to see how this plays out in the owners' meetings and where we go with that and uh, whether we try to do it correctly and maybe institute that. If, if they do it like they did last year, it, it probably doesn't warrant keeping. I believe it should be and it continue to be worked out, but – We'll see how this plays out. But you got some great thoughts there, Kevin, great thoughts. But they're all there, and, and there are even a lot more examples than the one. And, Kevin, 
put together a long, long list of all the things that it should be clearly defined. And, you know, um, you know, and maybe Kevin is wanting them to clearly say and announce that it's this and it's that. Like, you know, here's what it was holding and here's why it was holding. Here's where you held. Uh, you know, that's here or there. That takes a little bit more time. There is a clearly defined um, – all of that is clearly laid out in the referee's handbook and rule book. So – yeah, even though you get the rule and you think it's very arbitrary, it's not. It's done. A, it's officiated a lot better than than they get credit for, but they also miss a lot. So when you're looking at it and you're saying, "Oh, I can't believe that," because he called it one time, not the other. Well, the inconsistency drives me nuts. It drives all the coaches nuts. That's where I think needs to be corrected. But the definition of what holding and what interference and all of that. That is clearly looked over and and discussed every year, and that is added or extracted from the guidebook and the rule book based upon how they look at it. So those are some really great points just that they're already being implemented. So reminder again to check out our great folks at 401k Generation. Give them a call. Uh, get a second opinion on your financial planning and your money management um, give them a call, give them a text at 1-866-998-5879. They're licensed in all 50 states. Tell them that we sent you, and they'll take good care of you. Get signed up for LandryFootball.com today. Spread the word, if you would, about what we're doing, particularly this time of year that's so valuable. And uh, sign up uh, for Landry Football's conference call by uh, wherever you get your podcast. Sign up for that. You'll get this podcast as well as the college podcast each and every day. And spread the word about that as well so that we can continue to grow and get better. And if you've got a business that you'd like to promote, we can absolutely help you do that. We can help you with your branding. Just go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and uh, TJ will get in touch with you. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll see that if, if it's the right fit for you and for us, we'll definitely uh, do business and see how we can help you. We appreciate you joining us. Check out our college podcasts uh, today and all week, each and every day, on Mondays, uh, SEC football and beyond, Tuesdays, ACC football and beyond, Wednesdays, Big 12, Big 10 football and beyond, Thursdays, Big 12 football and beyond, and Fridays, Pac-12 football. And, again, we combine a national college show every day with a weekly conference show all in one. So you want to check that out as well. And make sure we're rocking and rolling five days a week. We're going to probably be a little quicker. I think we went about 30 minutes today. Uh, Depending on questions that you might have, we may get through this podcast ideally maybe 10, maybe 15 minutes, depending upon the amount of information, what we got to cover. We want to be you know, clear to the point, get to all the details for you, get to all the analysis. But the news of the day will be dictated, and certainly the information. wanted to encourage you again to check out um, the rankings of the players over at LandryFootball.com. That'll be your guide through this free agency period, as well as our draft boards when we get that up for you. Appreciate you joining us. Join us tomorrow for another edition of the Pro Football Show. I am Chris Landry. (laughs) 